And I was privileged to have great people around me that helped me see the, to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And if I can be that person to someone where I can share with them that there's, there can be light at the end of the tunnel, then it's my way of giving back of me getting through my mess. And by the way, that's worth so much more than a monetary value. Because you can't put a, for me, you can't put a monetary value on that. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a repeat guest. This man is a true champion. He's a three-time World Series champion in Major League Baseball. He's a champion in business, and he's a best-selling author. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Todd Stottlemyre. Welcome to the show, Todd. Nikki, how are you, my friend? I'm not sure that's a fair edification. I appreciate it. I'm humbled. I'm honored. And I got to tell you, man, you know, since the day we met, you know, it's like just to hang out with you today is, is, uh, it's come for me. It's not really a, it's an interview. It's just two friends hanging out and talking. And I'm honored and humbled uh, to hang out with you on your great podcast. Oh, brother, God bless your heart, man. I'm honored and humbled to hang out with you. You're just one of the finest human beings that's ever been my privilege to meet. Uh, ah, come on, man. Yeah, no, it's truth, man. It's truth, and 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 the fact that we get to have a conversation and um, you know, l- learn a little bit from each other and 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 hopefully teach a little bit to the people listening to the show. That's just a bonus. I'll, yeah, for sure. I'll let you know a little secret, Todd. One of the main reasons I do the show is I get you know half an hour to an hour of free coaching from the world's smartest people. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome, brother. You're awesome. You're doing great stuff. I got to tell you, it's like, I love learning from you personally. I love learning from your podcast. I mean, you got some great stuff going and I would just tell you congratulations because, uh, you know, you're taking the podcast world and the business world to championship levels. So it's an honor for like, once again, it's an honor for me to hang out with you. Oh, brother. God bless your heart. Thank you so much. So, Todd, you got a new book out, and, and I haven't read it yet. And I'm going to be getting some copies from you, and and I'm going to read it. But let's talk about your new book, man. Uh, you've told it in in the form of a fable, kind of like our buddy Robin Sharma. Yeah, you know, I uh, as you know, we met uh, at one of Robin Sharma's events, and and got a chance to to spend some time together, spend a weekend together, got to get to know one another, and our friendship really started there. And and you know, Robin, Robin, his books have have always inspired me and he's always written them, written those books or a lot of those books through fable. And, you know, I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't think I had the skill set. I still don't think I have the skill set to do it, but I did write this one as a fable. I wanted it to be a story. There were a lot of reasons why, because, and a lot of people have asked me, they said, Todd, why don't you just write a memoir? And the reason I didn't write a memoir was because I didn't want someone to read the tragedy and setback of my life, but then have the excuse to say, yeah, but that's not like me because 
I didn't grow up with your parents. I didn't grow up in Yankee Stadium. You know, you had so much great benefit. And they're right. And, and it's like I had the greatest parents in the world. I had the greatest environment that I grew up in as a kid. Uh, but it didn't keep me from having my own trials and tribulations and setbacks and failures along the way. And so by writing it as a fable and putting it in character form, you know, I wanted that person that that is feeling like, you know, <laughs> they're flat on their back. They don't know what to do. How come it's not working out for them? And I didn't want to use all of my, I guess, upbringing as an excuse for them. I want them to relate to the character and them to see the character and to feel the characters of the book, knowing that that character did it, I can too. So um, it's really the reason I wrote it in this form. What's funny is I wrote it as far away from me as possible. And what I mean by that, a woman is the main character. And that woman goes through a lot of the events that I went through in my life, you know, spiritually, uh, mentally, emotionally, and then came out the other side of it through a lot of hard work. And, and it was really my story. But uh, and it was one of those, Nikki, it was one of those books I've been wanting to write for a long time because it was really having to overcome my mess that became my message to people. You know, I was in an I was in an incredible place where from the outside I looked great. From the inside, I was I was broken and and I was dark and and uh, you know, it really sims back to 1993. Man, that's awesome. So tell me more. Let's get into it a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for that. And I'd love to. You know, 1993. You know, it's like after living out my childhood dream, uh, growing up in a place called Yankee Stadium, where my father Mel Stottlemar was a legendary pitcher for the Yankees and. And being able to go to Yankee Stadium every single day as a kid, put the Yankee uniform on, my brothers and I was, you know, Yankee Stadium for us was like our monkey bars. It was our playground. And to grow up in that environment was special because, you know, my father had teammates like Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Whitey Ford, Munson, Mercer, I can go on. Yogi Berra was his first manager. So it was kind of like going to the School of Champions, but not knowing it. But that's a place where a dream began. And that dream was to follow my father's footsteps, play Major League Baseball. And, and then to live that out, it's like I still pinch myself today. But right after the 1993 World Series, you know, I get back home. I leave Toronto. I go back home to the, to the States and, and for the winter. And from the outside, Nikki, looking at me, it's like, wow, here's a guy who grew up in Yankee Stadium. Here's a kid who lived out his childhood dream. Here's a guy who's making millions of dollars playing a game, Major League Baseball. And now he's a two-time world champion with the Toronto Blue Jays. And from the outside, it's like, this guy's got it all. There's a problem. Problem was I looked in the mirror. I couldn't stand the person looking back at me. Matter of fact, I despised the guy looking back at me. Matter of fact, I hated the guy looking back at me because 12 years prior to that very moment, my little brother was on his third bout of leukemia. Um, he was 11. I was 15 at the time. And I had, uh, and the doctors deemed that the only way possible for him to have longevity as far as the lifespan was a bone marrow transplant. I was the perfect candidate. I matched him perfectly. I gave him the bone marrow transplant. That bone marrow ultimately put my little brother into a coma that ultimately took his life. And as a family, it was like, you know, you can only imagine, you know, your mother and your father having to bury their 11-year-old son. Tragic, tragedy. Our family was broken. We were taken to our knees. 
uh, obviously sadness, but I left the hospital outside of sadness with two other emotions, and that was hate. I hated God. I hated the world for taking my little brother away from me, and then guilt. And I was like, wow, my marrow just put my little brother into a coma that took his life, and I felt like I just killed my little brother. Now, the doctors told me something different. They told me a different story. They said, Todd, you did everything you could do. My mother and father, they told me a different story. They said, Todd, you did everything you could do. It wasn't your fault. And and they were right, except for as a 15-year-old boy, the story I played over and over in my head was, it was me. It's my fault. And what I told, the story I told, I started to feel emotionally. And the more I told myself and the more I replayed that story, the more that story became who I was on the inside. And who I became on the inside was someone that if I couldn't control a situation, I exploded. And in 1993, even though I was having some success on the field, I wasn't the pitcher I thought I could be. More importantly, Nikki, I wasn't being the person that I also wanted to be off the field. And I just got tired of emotionally landing in the same place, frustrated, full of hate, (laughs) angry. And I got to a place and I was like, I need help. And I wanted help. And because I wanted to feel better, I wanted to get better. And I wanted to become more, not only on a baseball field, but I wanted to become more as a person. And I reached out to the guru of Major League Baseball. This guy's name was Harvey Dorfman. And Harvey changed my life. And I said, Harvey, I called him up and I said, Harvey, this is Todd Stottlemyre. And he he said, I've been waiting on your call. And I kind of laughed. I was like, I didn't even know you knew who I was. And I said, Harvey, I need help. He says, I know. And we booked a two-hour meeting in a hotel room in Florida. That two-hour meeting lasted 12 hours. And in the first hour of that meeting, Harvey Dorfman looked right into my eyes and he asked me a very important question. He said, Todd, would you do it again? And I was like, wow, do what? I didn't understand what he was talking about. He says, would you give a bone marrow transplant to your little brother again? And I mean, he just broke me down. I cried like a baby. And I said, Harvey, I do it every minute, every hour. I said, I do it every single day of the rest of my life. And then he looked back at me after listening to me. He says, he said, Todd, didn't you already do that? And I said, yeah. He said, Todd, did you do everything you could possibly do? And I said, yeah. He said, Todd, you are not God. You didn't have the power to save your little brother. You also didn't have the power to kill your little brother. He says, it's time for you to forgive you and let it go. It wasn't because, and and, and I broke down and it was the first time somebody literally gave me permission to forgive me, permission to say, I did everything I I could possibly do. And it was life-changing in that very moment. Now, it, when I say life changing in the moment, it was like this, this forgiveness was freedom for me. And it was like, but it was going to be a long road because you don't, you don't wire something for 12 years and unwire it in a moment. It's no, going to take don't. time. It's going to take a right? long time. Like, <laughs> and we know now by science, you know, what's funny is I went through this, not understanding any neuroscience and I don't claim to today. But what I do understand is that mind and that heart is so connected and based on what we think and what we feel, the more often we feel it and think it, the more we wire that circuitry and it becomes who we are. And that's exactly what happened to me at that particular time. Now, here's what's crazy. 
he said, in the last hour, he said, we do, he goes, do you want to have some fun? I said, yeah. And this is 12 hours later. And he says, will you do a seven day challenge with me? I said, man, I would love to Harvey. And he says, for the next seven days, you are not allowed to, you're, you have to put your ego, you're going to have to check it at the door. You're not allowed to compete for the next seven days. You're not allowed to defend your ideas for the next seven days. You're not allowed to react to any stimulus for the next seven days. The only thing I want you to do is step back from yourself in all of those situations. Step back from yourself and observe. He goes, I want you to observe your thoughts and your emotions, and then I want you to document those in a journal. It became, that was the beginning of my journaling process. He says, you see, Todd, I want you to observe these. And then in seven days, we're going to go through your journal and we're going to begin to build tools that are going to help you not only get into peak states, but to be able to stay in peak states where you don't lose control, get angry, get hateful and blow up. I was like, I'm in because I want to change that. He said, and, 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 and this was the making of my book, The Observer, of mastering thoughts and emotions, because then it was a process with Harvey. It was a tool chest. And he began to give me tools on how to get present in the moment, how not to let my past interfere with the mastery of and the magic of the moment. So he says to me, he says, Todd, he says, too many times in a baseball game, you got runners on, maybe the bases are loaded, there's no one out, and how they got there is affecting your next pitch. He said, you see, your past is interfering with the very moment. And it made perfect sense to me as a major league baseball pitcher. He says, because if you're thinking about how that guy got on first, and it's interfering with your thought process and your emotions and your body and your whole nervous system, you can't possibly be as good as you want to be on the next pitch. So you're destroying that very moment. I was like, that's that meant so much to me. But here's what I would tell you. And when I think about it, and I think about this book that I wrote about The Observer, and I think about, I wrote this in 2020 in the middle of COVID. And then as I looked and I viewed the world on social media, so forgive me for that. But when I reviewed, when I was watching people's reactions, right? And I'm, I'm looking at these knee-jerk reactions of people like hating politics, hating race, hating COVID, so many different opinions. And if someone didn't agree with an opinion, the other person was attacking them. I was like, man, I lived through that and feeling that way in 1993. See, what Harvey taught me by becoming the observer was this. Don't react, respond. Be a responder, a solution to a problem, not a reactor that fuels a problem. And I got to tell you, Harvey Dorfman in 1993 saved my life, but he also helped me become a better baseball player. But he, more importantly than that, he helped me become a better person. And that was the most important. And it's like now that message of hate, that message of guilt, that message of unforgiveness it was like I had to overcome it and it destroyed, it literally destroyed my insides for more than a decade. And I'm like, I'm sure there's other people out there like me that haven't forgiven something they need to let go of. They just need to let go of it. I'm sure there's somebody that feels shameful, resentful, or guilty 
safety of something that's destroying the magic of who they are today. And I'm sure there's people still looking at yesterday and still bothering them what happened yesterday and it's still bothering them today. What does this mean? It means that it's destroying the power of the moment. And if it destroys the power of the moment, then we can never create anything more than our past. And it destroys the creation of who we can become. And it's like, I got so, I've been wanting to write this forever. I found a way. I wrote it as a fable. For me, former Major League uh, Baseball pitcher, writing a fable was probably one of my greatest challenges. It took me nine different times to write this book. And uh, when I finally got it to a place where I'm like, I love it. Uh, we put it out and and I've been so proud of it. You know, we hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. We hit Amazon's bestseller list. And uh, people have like the amount of messages that people, Nikki, have sent me, email me saying, man, this changed my life or this helped me. And I was broken. I was thinking about taking my life and you encouraged me to go another day. And I'm like, I got goosebumps saying it. And I'm like, and if that's all that book ever becomes, that it helped save one person's life, it was it was worth every it was worth every night of writing this book through COVID. It was worth the nine times. And and if that's all the value of the book, one life, then it was worth it, boss. And I'm proud of it. Okay, bro. I got goosebumps listening to you, man. That's awesome. That was a riveting monologue. Most people's monologues suck. I, 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 I'm sitting <laughs> on the edge of my seat, man. Most people who go on a monologue, you just go, when's this guy going to shut up? In your case, just keep talking, man. Keep talking. Don't you dare stop. So look, Todd, I'm going to buy this book like right away. I'm going to go on Amazon before this calls over and order it because I got to read it right away. But you're going to sign a few for me, right? I'm going to buy a few from you. You're going to sign uh, a few listen, for me. Listen, you don't even have to buy any. No, I'm Todd. happy to sign books and send them to you, brother. Your, oh, man, you know, I appreciate listen. that. I appreciate that. But I want to support I what you're doing, people, man. I want to support what you're nah, doing. Well, I, I, I appreciate listen. that. I, you know, we've been so blessed. And it's like, it's, it's not a, it's, this book and any book I've written or any video I've ever done, it's, it's not tied to how I can make money. It's tied to, can I give back? And can someone read or listen or watch one of my videos or, or hear something that it helps them? It's my way of really just giving back, um, not only from the good times, but from the bad times, the tough times. And I, like, and I share a lot of tough times because I had great people around me, Nikki. Not everyone has great people around them. No. And I was privileged to have great people around me that helped me see the, to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And if I can be that person to someone where I can share with them that there's, there can be light at the end of the tunnel, then it's my way of giving back of me getting through my mess. And by the way, that's worth so much more than a monetary value. Cause you can't put them up for me. You can't put a monetary value on that. And, yeah, and, and I'm blessed in business that we got great businesses and that I, I don't need to do something to make my, so I've been so blessed, man. And I just, I just want to help. I want to be a person mm -hmm. that like, it's like, wow, thanks for that video. I needed that today. Or thanks for this book. I needed to read that. And, and that's, that's for me, that means it's worth more than money, but I appreciate you, bro. And it's like, uh, but I would love to send you some books, man. God bless your heart, man. Yeah. So it's an incredible, incredible story of what you went through. I mean, 
what adversity is worse than having someone you love pass away and feeling yeah. feeling horrible about it and but what's a bigger blessing than having somebody come into your life through the grace of the good lord that shows you a way to forgive yourself and to live life as the best version of yourself. Mr. Dorfman sounds like he's an incredible angel sent to you by the good Lord himself. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. And he's today, he's, he's in heaven today, rest in peace. But you know, I, I don't look, Nikki, I don't know where I would be. I don't know how I would think, I don't know what kind of person I would be with, without, without Harvey Dorfman coming into my life. You know, he was an angel for me. He's, he is an angel. And it's like, you know, through the grace of God, just like you said, it's like, you know, what a gift he was. Yeah, he really was a great gift, man. He was a man who uh, obviously was sent by God to help you in your hour of need. And, you know, what's beautiful is that you've taken that, you've decided to share that story with others. And there's a lot of people mm. who are hurting right now. I mean, the last year and a bit has been, to say the least, difficult for so many people. Yeah. So many people have gone through job loss, business loss, loss of the lives of loved ones, getting sick, seeing uh, cities they care about be burned to the ground. It, it, it's been a crazy time. And we all need to stick together. This divide and conquer business needs to stop. We all need to come together. That's yeah. how we're going to rise above all this. And you get that. And the book you've put out is all about helping to make that happen. Kudos, man. That's yeah, fantastic. You, yeah, you nailed it. It's like, you know, the world has been through tough times and since day one, by the way, right? And there's always a revelation, right? And there's always a revelation and there's always a revolution. And a revolution is based on people uniting together, right? And it's like, I always say, it's like, man, whatever happened, Nikki, to that golden rule where treat others how you want to be treated instead of, and, and by the way, here's, here's another thought too, is that kind of goes along with that. I'm so grateful everyone doesn't think the way I think. Otherwise, there would be no one for me to learn from. And it's like, it's okay for people to think differently. It's okay. You don't have to hate on them. Instead of hating on them, how about if we tried to understand them to see what we can learn from them? And it's like, we've come to a place in time to where if you don't share in the same beliefs, the same values, it's like people start putting up fences. And I'm like, man, we got to break down. We got to tear those down and start being okay with understanding, hey, what's, you know, someone else's opinion or thoughts, their understanding. It's like there's so much value in that. If everyone thought exactly the way we think, how boring, and we would never progress. So I, I believe that even though we've gone through this, and this, we're going through this very difficult time in, in history, and, and there have been other difficult times in history, but as we go through it, I believe that once we do unite, and you said it, we got to stop dividing and conquering and start uniting. And as we unite, as we begin to come together for what? For the better of mankind, to leave the world a better place than when we got here. When we get to that place, we'll create that revelation and revolution, and we'll become stronger because of it. That I believe. 
Amen. Amen. You know, uh, the strategy of divide and conquer is as old as time itself. Rulers have done that. And right now, it seems like there's people that want to do that here. You know, I'm an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And in, in my home country, being an ethnic Christian, like I was, an Assyrian Christian, was not uh, a good thing. At least it wasn't considered a good thing by our society. So my family left and we came to the free West. And I got to tell you, this is the freest, most tolerant place on the planet, bar none, by far and away. And yet people are talking like, oh, no, no, if you're this color, that's not good because you've got privilege. And if you were that color, then you're a victim. And if you're this ethnicity, then, you know, that's not good because you were oppressive. If you were that ethnicity, then you're a victim. And and it's not your fault that your life isn't going your way. And you need to hate the other person and they need to hate you. And I'm looking at this going, are you crazy, man? We're all just people. We're all just people. Yeah. You know, and it's time. And you know, when you... Go ahead. We, you, you, you nailed it. It's like it's like this is so fun because it's like what made us free and great was people from every race, every religion, every color actually wanting the same thing. What did we at the end of the day? What do we all want? Well, we all wanted freedom. We all wanted health. We all wanted love. And we ended up in the same place. And that's what made it so great. But it's also that scene that's breaking us now. <laughs> and it's kind of like. Did we forget? Did we for, did we forget that we're all immigrants? Amen. Bro, we're all immigrants. <laughs> and it's kind of like, did we forget that? And I'm like, geez, man, we could talk all day about this. And it's like, you know, and it's powerful stuff. And and you make so many great points. And and I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like, wow, it's just it's so important. But and I think that. I believe we're going to get back to there. I mean, I just believe it. Maybe it's my hope, you know, but I'm hopeful. You know, it's part of what you're doing with your book. You're one of the voices for unity. You're one of the voices for bringing people together. And the book's about bringing people together. And that's important, right? We can't let people that are on the dark side of politics come and, and rip us apart because all that's going to do is allow some demagogue to start taking away people's freedoms bit by bit. And what's amazing about the West, what's amazing about the United States, what's amazing about Canada is that we are free and that the government cannot come willy-nilly take away our rights. It's very important that we all stick together and we stand up for freedom. To me, that's the most important thing in the world. And I love what you're doing with your book, man. This is this is a fantastic story. So tell me more. Tell me more about the book. Tell me more about some of the lessons that are coming through there. Yeah, so there's, you know, it's pretty crazy. There's like 50 different, I'll say, models or principles that are tied to pursuing the best version of yourself. And so many of those, um, so many of those models and principles, I either learned from my father, I learned from Harvey Dorfman, I learned from Cito Gaston, Tony LaRussa, I learned from teammates um, that I had. So I learned a lot of them in a sport. And because there's so much as an athlete that you learn about being a team player and sharing in a vision and this whole thing that transfers over into the business world, but it also transfers over 
and to becoming the best person you can be. So, you know, one of the things that Harvey taught me was, you know, thought replacement. If my if I'm focused on a negative thought, that means all of my energy and attention and awareness is on something that's negative. So how do you get to a positive and a peak and a positive state instead of being in a negative state? Because the more energy and attention and awareness we have on a negative thought, we start to feel. See, it's your mind, your mind and your brain and your thoughts. It's the language of your brain. The thoughts is language of your brain. And then your emotions, your feelings is the language of your body. But that, that, those thoughts and those emotions come together. So if I start, if I'm thinking negative, start, I start feeling negatively. Or if I feel sick, I start thinking sick because they're connected. They work both ways, right? So he's like, so anytime I'm in a bad state of mind, we got to replace it and start to focus our energy and our awareness on something positive that we can take action on. So he would say to me, so for whatever's happened, you can't control it, so why focus there? So he would break me down to the present moment, and he would say, so if you have a bad thought, he would, here's what he would, he would tell me. He would say, what's 180 degrees from that negative thought? He goes, a positive thought. Because it's the opposite. He goes, he, and he broke it down so simple for me. He goes, look, I can't, I can. They're 180 degrees from one another. He said, so thought replacement and the 100, and then we, we labeled it. We called it the 180 degree mindset. We said, anytime I have a negative thought, okay, what's 100, stop myself. What's 180 degrees from there? Great. Start to focus on that piece. Start to feel that piece, start to focus on that piece. Energy goes to that piece. Now take action. So it was kind of like on a baseball field, it was this way this pitch, this moment, what am I going to do with it? All my focus is on what I need to do, right? And what I can control. None of my focus now is on anything in the past or what I can't control. So it's kind of like if you are getting ready for a presentation, you are. Maybe you're in business and sales, you're getting ready to make a phone call. It's like, okay, it's like this call, this moment. What am I going to do with it? How am I prepared? How do I want to act? How do I want to come across? What questions do I need to ask? So now all of my mindset is geared on what? It's geared on the moment. So we just got very conscious about how we're thinking and we said goodbye to our subconscious, anything in our past that's going to try to destroy this conscious moment. And it was thought replacements, the 180 degree mindset. So it was so powerful to me because I was like, wow, anytime I'm thinking negative, I can just replace it and then meditate and focus on the positive and then take action from there. So that was a big one for me. You know, um, reflection was a big one for me. It's a, I talk about the power of reflection. I talk about in the book, the power of studying your past performances. Think about a quarterback for a second. He comes off the field, he, and the defense is now going out on the field. What's the quarterback do? He goes and grabs his iPad, and he goes and watches. He studies the last plays that he was just involved in. He's studying his past performances because the study of past performances and learning from them, giving yourself a different perspective instead of being on the field, now you're watching the field, gives you a different perspective, 
and it allows you to see opportunity you might have missed in the heat of battle. Studying our past performances can be our X factor to, to success. So it's kind of like, don't be critical of your past performances. Learn from your past performances. Look for the opportunities. It, that's another principle, another model. You know, um, there's the model from my father in there, the three things. And, 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 and he would break the game so simple and down for me when I was struggling. And I've taken that three thing mentality into life and business. What three things do I need to do on a daily basis where I begin to master those few things that allow me to perform at a high level in my industry? So it doesn't matter what industry you're in now, Nikki. It's like, what are those three things that if you do those every single day and you focus on those things, how much better can you get at those three things than the rest of the world? Genius level, right? You can perform at the highest yeah, it's level. True. It's true. And, and, and it's like, so what, what's the, it's the power and it's the model of three, right? I'm grateful. I learned this one after the sport. And I put it in the book because it was so powerful. I remember, Nikki Ora, it was about a handful of years ago. Every podcast I listened to, every video I watched, every book was talking about this, this thing called gratefulness. And I was like, I began to, I, and, I, and I thought, I stepped back from it all, Nikki, and I said, well, I'm a grateful person. And maybe you're listening right now and you're saying, Todd, I, I, I'm a great, I feel grateful. No, that's not what I, I, I said the same thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. How about intentionally being grateful every day where you sit down and you take time out and you go through an exercise where you intentionally are being grateful. And then the power that comes from that is life changing. It was for me because I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to every single day, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to take a notebook out, and I'm just going to start writing everything I'm grateful for. I'm going to tell you what I found out. I found out that when you begin to intentionally be grateful, the face of gratefulness will show up when you need it the most. That's the power of it. It's going to show up when I need it because I've practiced it. See, I, I thought I was grateful until I practiced it, and then I realized, like, wow. I mean, I think about this for a second, Nikki. How about it just being grateful for this breath right now? Whew. It's awesome, man. I'm in the moment. I'm breathing, baby. I got a chance. I got a friend on the other end of this call. Nikki Blue, man, that's my man. <laughs> like if we, and in this breath, if we lock arms, we can achieve just most about, we can just about achieve anything we put our mind to. And that will work for because we got this breath. We got this moment. We got this time. It's like, wow, that's gratitude, bro. And it's, and to be grateful for the lessons, the setbacks, the failures. Thank you for the setback. Thank you for, for me being able to fall. Hey, I'm grateful for that. I failed. But because of it, because of the fall, the setback, the failure, the disappointment, look what I've gotten to learn because of it. Wow. That's being grateful. That's awesome. There's so many in the book, man. It's like I, I, the thing I tell people is like there, there's 50. There's over 50 different things, you know, and it's all about, you know, sound mind, sound body, pre perform getting in peak states, 
getting in states of love, getting in states of joy and peace, and how, getting in peak performance states and, 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 and performing at your highest level. It's all about that, man. And it's like, I'm so proud of it. It's amazing. I mean, your first book was great. I really enjoyed it. But this book sounds like it's gone to a whole new level. So kudos, man. Really, really yeah, awesome thank you, work. Brother. Thank um, you. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. Can't wait to read it. It's, uh, it's something that I think will be a seminal moment in the time I spend with myself this year. I love to read. I read a lot of books. Last year, Todd, uh, you know, I'll tell you how many books I read. You'll think I'm crazy. I read 142 books last year. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's That's nuts. awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's That's good. Awesome. I'm always looking for great new books to read. And the fact that a good friend of mine wrote it makes it even sweeter, man. That's fantastic. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Todd, tell me right now, what else are you up to these days? What's yeah. near and dear to your awesome. heart, man? Yeah, you know, uh, first of all is, is um, you know, I just so, you know, I have five beautiful children and they range from five years old to 25 years old. So we got to spread. I got four daughters and a son. I got a beautiful wife who's my best friend. And we've truly built our wealth around family. God first family second, everything else, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And, um, you know, because of that, we've had incredible fulfillment. And, and then in the business world, you know, uh, we have a, I have a private equity fund and, and we have, um, um, a, a little baby family of funds. I've got a couple debt funds. I got equity funds and, and they're, they're, they're basic. When I say they're private, they're truly private. It's me and my partner. He owns 50% of them. I own 50% of them. And, and we have about 10, 12 different portfolio companies inside of those. So every day is a different day. And, and we find ourselves, you know, um, working with people, working with management teams and trying to do, you know, something good. And, and we've just been so blessed, man. Our companies are doing great. And, and I think we have over a billion dollars worth of companies in that private equity fund. And today, it's been a labor of love, you know, it's build them one at a time. And, and, uh, we got some neat things that we're doing and, and we're just, you know, it's like, I, I wake up every day knowing every day is going to be different and, and, uh, every day is going to have new challenges and new problems. And, and we get a chance to sit back and say, how do we figure out the solution to this problem? And, and, uh, then the solution sometimes will lead us to actually creating and building another company. It's just been, I'm, I'm having the time of my life to be, a, I feel so grateful. I feel so blessed. And I just truly want, and it's, and it's not about money. And, and we've been blessed with lots of money. But I would tell you that anytime I put money first, we lost money. Anytime I put money at the bottom of the ladder, money knocked our door down and found us because we begin to pursue the right things and keep the right things the right things. And for me, money, you can have all the money in the world, but if you have a broken family, you're broke. So I wanted to build my wealth around my family, my relationship with my children and, uh, and their friends. And, and we've just, we've tried to focus there and, and, uh, it's just been unbelievable. So, um, it's been cool, man. Yeah. Been great. That's awesome, man. That's completely, totally awesome. All right. So. 
Todd, we like to end off each and every single one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps? These are your best pieces of advice that you recommend my listener take on in their life right away to make a difference today. So what do you say? Yeah, love it. Um, Tough question, by the way, and I love it though. But, you know, first thing that jumps to my mind when you ask that question is, is you have to own your dreams. You know, and what I mean by own them is like, you got to be authentic. It's like, what do you love to do? What do you want to do? Stop worrying about what other people are telling you you should do. And you need to own your dreams. You need to own your authenticity. You need to own who you are and go for it. That would be number one is own your dreams. Don't let someone else put dreams on you. Because when it gets dark, you will bail on that. See, if you own your dreams when it gets dark, you'll find your way through the darkness. And that leads me to number two. Number two is when you own them, you never give up on them. See, it doesn't mean you're going to hit them overnight. Think long term, never give up. And it's like, man, just think about what you get to learn on the way of accomplishing dreams. And and, and I will tell you that there was a moment in my major league career where I almost walked away from it. I just thank God to this day that I persisted through because if I would have walked away, I would have missed out on 15 years. I would have missed out on all the money we've made, which isn't important. I would have missed out on all the great teammates. I would have missed out on world championships. And I think some people walk away from their dreams too early when it gets hard and they're walking away from what? What they were born to do. And their purpose in life. So never, never give, own your dreams, never give up. And the number three is just, just like adopt the never arriving mindset. Nikki, you said it best. You said, you said you read 142 books last year. That's somebody that says, what can I learn? What can I find out? Be curious enough to never arrive, to always think. What can I learn? Who can I learn from? What can I get better? What can I read? What can I listen to? Hey, who can I interview? It's so powerful, that never arriving mindset. So those are the three for me that have meant so much to me in my life is I own my dreams. I never gave up on them. And every single day I was trying to find a way to get better and learn more. That's what I would leave you with, sir. Todd, man, this is spectacular, spectacular stuff. Um, so I, I, I want to reveal something to you. When I was um, a young boy, I wanted to be a best-selling novelist. That was my dream. I read a ton of books. I still read a ton of books. And I uh, idolized people like Jack Higgins, who wrote the book The Eagle Has Landed. And later I idolized people like Tom Clancy, who wrote The Hunt for Red October. And I went after my dream for a little while. I mean, I got a job, but I wrote on the side. And um, here's what happened. I wrote a book, and through a a friend of mine, I managed to get it in front of uh, Random House Publishers, major publisher, and they rejected it. And all the people around me were telling me, Nikki, Nikki, what are you doing? You know, focus on business, man. You're good at business. This is what you should do. Just this is a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Forget about it. And, And I let that steal my dream from me. I stole my own yeah, dream man. away from me, you know? And I, and, I, and, I, and I put that book away and I didn't really do much with it. Now, I, I've written some books, but they've been business books. 
I wrote a fable book too. I'll, I'll send you a copy of it, Todd. Give me your address. Uh, it's called The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life. But, you know, again, a business fable. And it was, wasn't was what I wanted to do. And a, a few weeks ago, I was in a course uh, being put on by a man named Tim Grover. Tim was Michael Jordan's um, mindset coach and trainer. And he was talking about exactly that point. Someone who put their dream on a shelf. And he was talking about the long-term consequences of doing that. And I felt some emotion welling up inside me, man. I got so upset with myself in that moment. And I recently interviewed G. Michael Hopf, Jeff Hopf, veteran of uh, United States Marines, fought in Operation Desert Storm. And he is a novelist. And he's written... Uh, a whole series of post-apocalyptic novels. His most famous series is called uh, The New World Series. And he wrote this poem in one of them. You've probably heard this poem. It goes something like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And anyways, I became friends with this man. And I just called him up after this happened. And I said, look, man, I need to talk to you. And he said, yeah, what's up? And I told him the story and I said, um, will you help me? Because I sold out on my dream and I and I and I need to I need to I need to reclaim that dream. And he said, Hell yeah, I'll help you. And he said, Not only will I help you, uh, if you want, we can write your first novel together. Now this is a man who sold a million books. Okay. Wow. It's a big deal that he's gonna do this with me. Wow. So I I said yes. The deal is I got to write the book. <laughs> He's going to take it once I've written it. And so we we agreed on a concept, and I started to write. I wrote the first 10,000 words. I sent them to him. I'm thinking of writing about a 50,000-word book, roughly. That's roughly around 200 pages. You know, a decent-sized novel, mm -hmm. right? Not huge, not yeah. too small. Yep, that's right. So, you know, I'm going to learn from him what it's going to take to make it a good, readable book. I'm also going to learn from him what it's going to take to, to market it, to sell it. And then I'm going to write my next book. I may write it with him. I'm probably going to write a few on my own. And I'm going to write more and I'm going to write more. And I love doing conversations like these. I love having podcast conversations. And a bunch of my friends go, look, but you don't make any money from this podcast. And I go, I don't care. Uh, you're the second interview I've had today. First one was a... Uh, with a ex-Marine uh, Raider, Special Forces, Nick Kumalatsos, phenomenal guy, um, real expert in health and fitness, and uh, super, super guy. Love the conversation I had with him. Love the conversation I've had with you. I'm totally energized as a result of these two conversations. So I'm like, I want to have more podcast interviews. I'm going to do more of these, not less. I'm starting another podcast. You know, um, want to have you on that podcast? That podcast is awesome. is for men, and it's um, it's a podcast helping men uh, become the best version of themselves, right? So, yeah, I love that, and I love speaking. Like I, I'm, something comes over me when I speak, either on Zoom or, or live. I, I've got this power, this energy. It's like God's telling me, "Yeah, you're supposed to be doing this." And you know, the things that I do for money, I'm, I'm really good at them. Don't get me wrong. I'm good at them. I love helping people. I love making them more successful. But this, this stuff makes me come alive, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, man. Yeah. So, like, I love what you, know, you just like, said. 
Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, when you no, no, when you feel that energy, you know it's right. <laughs> you know, you're like, this is it right here. That energy and power. Listen, bro. When I remember when we first met, and then there was an attraction because we were both in a place, and and you've been there a number of times, but we're so engaged. And I remember this engagement, and then we ended up sitting at the same tables together, getting to know one another, and having some phone calls, becoming friends. That's what happens, though. That's the power of it. And uh, look, man, I know you're going to be great. I, I know you're going to be great at writing novels because because it's you, bro. Because you're going to just keep you're going to you're going to keep learning. You're going to and you're going to be learning from the best, and you're going to. You're going to keep applying, and and that's the nature of who you are. That's why I'm like so honored to hang out with you at this moment. So, this is cool, man. I appreciate this time together. Thank you, brother. It's very kind of you to say, but I'll I'll tell you what what you just revealed with these last three expert action steps for me was extremely powerful, and I just thought that I wanted to respond. And this whole be curious enough to never arrive mindset. That's so true. You know, there, there's a fellow named Andy Frisella. I don't know if you, you've heard of him. He, he's got a podcast. Yeah, yeah and he's got yeah. this program called 75 Hard. And I'd, I'd heard about 75 Hard from a bunch of buddies of mine. And um, anyways, I, I decided I, I wanted to look into it. So I, I ordered his book. And it, when I first looked into it, it was sold out. So then it, it, it came back. And I ordered five copies. I got it. I read it from cover to cover. It's 200 pages. And by the time I finished it, I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. And 75 hard, here's how it goes. Every day, you got to do two 45-minute workouts. One of them is um, indoors. One of them's outdoors. You got to drink a gallon of water. You got to read at least 10 pages. That part's easy for me. In a, in a nonfiction book, you got to take a progress pick, and then you got to eat according to a plan. Today's day 29 for me. If you mess up even one thing, you go back to day one. So I'm on day mm. 29 so far, man. And I got to tell you, there have been a lot of days where I've wanted to like not do parts of it. A lot of days, you know? But, yeah, yeah. You know, just doing it like this, it, it, it's this is the first time where I kind of get the mentality of uh, an athlete who's performing at the highest level because – you got to keep going, whether you feel like it or not, you got to keep doing it and you got to give your best. And there's no quitting and that whole no quit attitude, that whole become someone who is never arriving, adopt the never arriving mindset, be curious enough to never arrive. And I think that's fantastic, man. And I just really appreciate you being my angel from God today and reaffirming these lessons that are coming to me, man. So thank you so much. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. yeah and, and my listener is, um, is very appreciative as well. So, so listener, if you want to pick up a copy of Todd's book, you can pick it up on Amazon. If you're in Canada, you can also pick it up on Indigo or anywhere else. Uh, books are sold. I mean, this is a absolutely spectacular book. Uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, the Observer, a modern fable on mastering your thoughts and emotions. And to me, this 
is a must-read book. It's a 2021 must-read book. So make sure you pick up not just a copy for yourself, but pick up four or five copies. Give it to the people that you love the most, you know, people in your family, uh, your dear friends, your spouse. Super important to do that. And, and buy a few for your clients or, or even for people whose client you are because it'll make a huge difference for them to get to read this book and generate uh, wisdom. Uh, for themselves, from Todd's wisdom. And here's the other thing I want to say. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, okay, I want you to do something for me because we know we don't charge for this podcast and we don't have any uh, um, sponsors for this podcast. All we ask is if you got benefit from this podcast, would you share it with somebody? Would, would you tell somebody, I listened to this really great podcast episode, check it out. Let them hear what Todd has to say because they're going to be blown away. And if you liked it, go on iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Now, if you didn't like it, don't do any of that, okay? Because if we didn't earn it, we don't want you to do it. But if you did like it, please share it with somebody. Please leave us a rating because this is how we're going to help grow this movement. This is a movement for freedom, free expression, free enterprise, and helping you be an entrepreneur who gets to live life as the best version of yourself. So... Become part of the movement and do that. And go to our main website, ecircleacademy.com. There's a whole bunch of free resources there that you can take advantage of. There's a, a free report on how to grow your business by at least a quarter million dollars a year uh, through uh, authority positioning. And um, there's also a free masterclass that'll go into a lot of detail on how to do that. And we even offer a free strategy call for you to be able to take your business to the next level. So that, that's like getting a free coaching call. All these resources are offered for free. So take advantage of them if you're so moved to do so. Brother Todd, man, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today, brother. You're the best, brother. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Todd Stottlemyre and his brand new book, The Observer, Go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any of the other many platforms that are out there. Check out the show notes and make sure you pick up a copy for yourself and at least five copies to give away with the people you love and care about and work with the most. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.